and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond, and that's Rachel Burford. <laughs> Burford. Burford, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, we're having a lot of fun, uh, Burford and I, um, which will all become Maybe clear it. a little bit later on. Um, but oh, look, we, we have fun anyway. Uh, tell you what is fun, it's Women's Rugby right now, Rachel Burford. Um, it's in a great place this weekend. Round four of the Women's Six Nations. Starting with a little Friday night, a little experiment, then Cardiff. Wales against France, 8 o'clock, that's on S4C in the UK. Saturday, spread over the weekend this this round four. Italy against Scotland, 20 past seven, live on BBC Scotland. Uh, and then on Sunday, England against Ireland at 12 o'clock on BBC Two from Welford Road. That's how the weekend lines up, and we'll be previewing all three games throughout this podcast. Not only with the World Cup winner, Rachel Burford, but also the Ireland coach, Greg McWilliams. Uh, I caught up with him a little bit earlier on today, and it was a great chat, not only with him, but his young daughter as well, who decided to join us on most of the call, which was quite hilarious. But let's get down to the serious stuff straight away, Rachel Burford. How's that kitchen floor coming? It's it's coming. It's it's on its way. That's all that I care about. Even if they've only laid two tiles, we've got some flooring down. Two, I mean, this, ladies and gentlemen, if, if you want any re- renovation stories, <laughs> then do check out Rachel Burford's Instagram stories. Um, it's been going on a while now. Um, yeah. I live in a listed building. My house is listed, so I'm not allowed to do anything. And for that very reason, it is a nightmare once you're in it, isn't it? But once it's done, it'll be fab. We hope so. We really do. I will I will continue with my updates for anybody that cares. Um, and this yeah. all started in lockdown, really, with the with the um, sofa, the outside sofa. that I create. I've got to repaint that. So that will be on my story soon. Repaint the sofa. What and of course alongside the French. So what, what's uh, what's French for sofa? Sofa. Le, le sofa. <laughs> or la. Yeah. Chauffeur. We. Oui? Chauffeur. No, I, I think it's cauliflower. But um, not to worry. <laughs> if you want to see how a cauliflower, that's what you do in your private time is up to you. Um, how are the dogs with laying of tiles and kitchen floor? I mean, that's that's their domain. Yeah, they've gone on a visit today to up the road. So they're not running around loose, running on grout and things like that and moving the tiles. So, yeah, sadly, they've they've been they've been kicked out. Oh, poor little yeah, thing. Poor little things. Well, look, Bob, let's get straight into it. Uh, I think we should start with, with England and with uh, with Greg. But let's just let's just have a, a little chat sort of around the game before we, we, we get into that uh, that chat with Greg McWilliams. We're looking at about 14,600 tickets sold. In fact, I've got it officially uh, from the RFU within the last hour. Uh, exactly how many tickets have been sold. Capacity of 23,000, of course, at uh, Matilly Wood, Welford Road. I believe that's the, the full name uh, nowadays. Um, but we're at 14,000. It's like 14,648. 14, uh, a new world record for a Stanlow women's game would be 17,740. 
I mean, if there's a, just a snapshot of of where the women's game is right now, it, it, those ticket sales are a pretty good example of it, aren't they? Yeah, of course. I think, you know, the, the record that was set last week as well, and then you just feel like every week there's going to be a new record set or a new, you know, innovation to try and make things grow more in the women's game. And yeah, I mean, it's awesome for the players to to be experiencing that. I mean, I played in that France game when we were in France to that sort of crowd and it is unreal. Um, and yeah, just, I think a lot of the players um, from last weekend's game were just so... Like I think um, Emily Scarrett was saying, like she didn't really want to sing the anthem because she just wanted to hear it for herself. And you know those kind of moments are incredible to capture. And yeah, it, and people want to play. Like we've always said it about France. Oh, you want to go to France? They get such good crowds. Well, now England are doing this exact same, and we've seen that over the last few years. But that was playing at smaller grounds with smaller numbers. Now we're going to much bigger grounds, and and the potential of what could happen this weekend. You know, there's still. A number of days yet to get tickets. I'm sure there'll be some last minute tickets on the day as well. And yeah, I'm pretty excited to see what records um, we could set. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And it's um, yeah, as you say, always been the, the way, isn't it? Oh yeah, I love playing in France. The great crowds, as you say. That now that's coming home to roost. I can't quite believe the trajectory, though. Perhaps it was it was all brewing in lockdown and people's eyes have been opened during lockdown. I'm not quite sure what it is, but, you know, I was talking to some people yesterday about women's rugby and they said, you know, just, you've been banging a drum for for a while. What 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 interests you? What you got into it? And it's just a quality product and it, and it has always has been. And, it, you know, even, even more so now, it's, it's just a bloody good product. And, you know, perhaps some people's eyes are being opened to it and, and the fact the accessibility and, you know, we us doing this pod and other pods and whatever springing up and, and more attention and what have you and people doing dances in front of their cameras and posting it um, perhaps all that kind of stuff helps um, <laughs> big smile on Rachel Burford's face not seeing too much TikTok from you Burford um, but yeah it's brilliant it, it really is brilliant and uh, and it's a point not lost on the new Ireland head coach Greg McWilliams I caught up with him a little bit earlier today and as I say it wasn't just him by his gorgeous, delightful, joyous daughter, Lana Rose. McWilliams joined us for most of the chat as well. It is a very, very good, and it looks like slightly sunny good morning to Greg McWilliams, the uh, head honcho, the uh, top of the tree man at uh, Island Women's Rugby. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Good morning, Johnny. Good Good to be on. It's not a very tall tree, I don't think. I think it's quite a small one. (laughs) <laughs> and a wide one as well. It's a very wide tree because uh, it's one of those flat trees where I'm not quite at the top. I think there's a lot of people up there with me. But uh, thanks for the intro. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's it's really good to see you. And I'm yeah, delighted as, as many others who who would know you and, and knew you around the sort of 2014 time when uh, you involved in the, the island set up before that, uh, yeah. that you returned after... Yeah, almost doing sort of um, a pre-Ronan Gara, uh, um, and going off and, and learning your trade around around the, around the place. So, Greg, that's what I'd like to do is just have a, a wee chat about um, yeah, you you returning back to Ireland, but then also um, obviously about the Six Nations and the, and the game against England at the weekend. Um, sure. So, twenty fourteen uh, involved with Goose Philip Doyle. Um, oh, remind me of the name of the manager because you've got her back involved. Gemma Crowley. Gemma Crowley. Yeah, and she's, she's back involved now. Oh yeah, 
Like she was, she, she was one of the main parts of the puzzle. I mean, honestly, from that management group, Andy Weir is back with us as well. Who was like we call him our bag man, but he does so much more than that. Um, you know, I don't even need to tell him what to do. He knows what I want, and he he works essentially twenty three and a half hours a day. I think he sleeps for thirty minutes. Um, he was like a big part of why we were successful in, in you know particularly in 13 and 14 people don't realize it's like it's people the management team who nobody even knows like Andy Weir being one of them I mean you know I've worked all over the world and I think he's probably one of the most organized uh, kit men I've ever met and he just makes everyone feel great and, and Gemma as well was in France um, but there are others as well I mean look we have Nee Briggs who's part of the backroom staff yeah and um, who's laying down a really good marker at the moment. And it's great to work with her again. Uh, and then we have Ulrich McCarthy, uh, who is our physio, who, who's back with us as well, who's just a really good person. So yeah, it's a case of like bringing some of the old, old crew together. And Larissa Muldoon works at the HPC as well, who is yeah. scrum half on that team. So yeah, there's good people around the program who are, uh, who are ter- really terrific to work with. And um, they, they make kind of every day quite easy. But uh, yeah. How I mean, getting the band back together, absolutely. Um, but how, how did it how did it come about returning back to Ireland? Because you went to the US, didn't you? Yeah. Um, did some university coaching there, got into the national setup, did some work with World Rugby, and then back to Ireland. When you came back to Ireland, did you say I want a clean sheet? This is this is for me to to get that band back together. Yeah, yeah, well, like essentially, I had been with the Irish women's side since 2009. Um, it was Kevin West who who uh, kindly asked me to come in and be a skills coach. I primarily looked around catch pass and I suppose footwork, really simple things that I think are really important for the game to succeed. So I was kind of, uh, I was really excited when he asked me to come in. And then he left and Philip Doyle took over as head coach. And I stayed with Philip um, for the five-year period or six-year period. And then I was playing golf with my brother and, the Yale rugby uh, chairman of the board contacted me kind of out of the blue and, and asked me, would it be something I'd be interested in? And I talked to Sarah at the time and uh, she was keen to go on a bit of an adventure. And I was really keen to learn about the game. I'd, I'd gone overseas quite a lot to study it. Um, I'd gone down to New Zealand maybe as a player, but as a, as a coach doing some uh, professional development. And I was really keen on education and uh, working in a university appealed to me because I knew I'd find um, new ways, I suppose, of doing the same thing and find different learning techniques I think could be applicable to rugby. So I went back to, to college nearly in effect. And through there, I ended up working with the, uh, the, the national team, the USA national team. And uh, I also uh, coached the Barbarians, which is a real honor for me. When I say coach, I did absolutely nothing. I got called in by Robbie Deans and Scott Robertson and I was pretty much just there to carry water, I'd say. But it was just a great It was water, was it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Loads. The, water, <laughs> the water was good that week. But I was there like to help out and, and do a bit here and there. And I, I think I did a, a drill in the warmth that lasted about 15 seconds. But it was just still great to be involved. And then, yeah, I went on with the USA national team to the World Cup. And then my wife got sick. Um, she, she developed cancer and went through a cancer battle. And we got young twins. So uh, I was head coach of Rugby United New York. And my wife got diagnosed with cancer. And uh, at the time, the twins, I think, were one and a half. Uh, Sarah grew up about two miles away from me in Dublin. Um, 
So we're all in America, COVID hit, our family couldn't travel over and we just felt, you know, even though we loved it over there, we felt a little bit isolated. So it was always the, the pull to come back home. My parents aren't getting any younger, neither is Sarah's family around. I think family became important to us over COVID and uh, more important than, than before. And then you start looking for opportunities back uh, in Europe and, you know, there's there's an opportunity to go overseas again um, and... I think at that stage, you know, I think I owed it to my family for a couple of years to to plant some roots in Ireland back where we were born. So we're right back in, in the heart of where our whole family are from. So um, that was a big pull for me. And then I was very lucky to have been offered the the Ireland job. And when I met David and Anthony at the time, um, it was an easy decision because they were, they, you know, they were allowing me to come in and be able to, I suppose, bring your own stamp um, I think that's important as, as a coach you know you learn from so many people throughout your career and you continue to learn like I, I'll keep learning hopefully every day but when you're a head coach you really want your own people around you to make you tick as well so I know for example what Gemma does and without her I wouldn't be as competent because she pretty much looks after me um, she's a brilliant organiser and she makes my job much easier uh, it's the same with Neve Briggs and Neve Briggs obviously from coaching her is the same with Dave Gannon and, and Rob Sweeney and, and as I said, Andy Weir and others, you know, uh, Jen Moore is with us as well. Uh, we've got Keen Gormley with us, our SNC coach, Keen O'Brien. I know I'm going to leave somebody out, but all these people have, have added to um, a really good experience. You're, you know, you trust them and you're comfortable working around them and they're excited about the plan that you're going on. Uh, and that's my daughter who's come up to sit on my lap, who's saying hi to Johnny. She likes Johnny. Uh, yeah, so that was essentially it. And, you know, in the RFU, you got a chance to, to, to you know, I'd, I'd obviously worked at USA. I think I was with them for 28 tests, the men's team. 28 right. really good tests. Uh, and I loved USA, brilliant people. But then you know, when the call comes back in where you can actually lead like your own country, there's something really poignant and, and honourable about that, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, and I love the project. I, I, I see where it can go. Uh, I think I, I see where they've been because I've been there. And I think... You know, you also need to know where you are and, and areas that you need to improve. So it just seemed like it was the right fit. And um, it's been it's been challenging. You know, it, it's 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 a tough old gig. Um, and there's days you challenge yourself and there's days that you doubt yourself. And that's why you need to have a good management team around you that keep you on the straight and narrow. And then you have a player group who are just really keen to learn and really keen to get better. They're they're I, I don't know if I've worked with a better group of players. Um, and they know that there's areas that we all need to improve and develop, and that's that's been the challenge. That there's a you know responsibility and acceptance and an awareness about where we need to get better and what we need to do and the path that we're on, and everyone's bought into it, and that's that's probably been the most exciting thing. Well, there's there's, there's lots in there. Absolute headline. Uh, how's your wife? It, 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 is she well? She is well. Yes, yeah. she had a PET scan again uh, two weeks ago. But she, had, you know. It's a constant thing as well. You seem to forget. And like people who will listen to you who, who have family members who've gone through this. I mean, she she ended up getting a she ended up getting a bad case of it. Um so it, it meant that she ended up having to go through a large amounts of chemotherapy and uh, a couple of operations as well. Um Tough. so it ended up coming coming back home and then once we got home then it's always on your mind, you know. Um it's always in the back of your mind. So she's kind of um a little bit one second, my daughter's whispering in my ear here beside me, Johnny. I'm sorry, we're trying to do a professional podcast here. 
Joe, I, I I love it, and I, I think it, it's it's yeah. it's so oh, Greg McWilliams. He's such a family man. He's such a people person. Lana Rose has something to say to you. You say it to him. Say it to him quickly. Lana Rose, what's your question for Johnny Hammond here? You can come to my house. Can I? Yeah, you can come to our house. Oh, thank you so much. Do you serve? Do you serve a nice I cup of tea? So I could cake. I could cut you some tea. You could make me some tea. Yeah. Well, do you know? Do you know what? I think this is the one hundred forty third episode that I've done mm. of this podcast, and that is the first time anyone's ever offered to make me a cup of tea or invited me to their house. Lana Rose, thank you so very, very much. You're, You're very. Entire house tomorrow. Wonderful. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to make it tomorrow. I've got my own children to look after, but it's a very kind offer. Should we just put sort of in the in the in the future? We'll, I'll come over and have a cup of tea. But that's very kind of you. Sorry about that, Johnny. Yeah, loved it. Right. So, yeah. so so very very you brilliant. Um, so Lana Rose has invited me for tea. You're like, yeah. oh, my God, please don't do that. No, no. Uh, right, and okay. I doubt you'd be serving tea. <laughs> She's invited words for tea. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's so, so difficult. So that's constantly in the back of the mind. Oh, that's a, yeah, I would suspect we would be yeah, a yeah. draw to, to come back, come back car home. But look, I, we'll, be, we'll be honest, and we, we try to be on this podcast and give everyone a, a chance to say what it is. Yeah, it, I should have set up four four years has been a bit of a shadow was 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 there reservations or did you see that as a as a huge opportunity because you know plenty about the players plenty about people involved plenty about your your, your own ability did you see it as a as a big opportunity or you know, what am i doing here massive opportunity uh i mean the women's game all over the world but primarily in ireland it's grown at such a fast rate and look there are countries that i believe are are growing faster and, and better and, and our challenge is to try and improve our processes to make sure that we can get back to competing against the best teams in the world. And that's, you know, that's no disrespect to the previous coaches um, at all. Um, I think, look, every coach has their own way of doing things. And, you know, I have my way of doing things. And I'm just going to work as hard as I can to try and, and be as successful as I can with this group of players. And you just hope you get it right. And there will be times along the way that you have, tough days and you think things are are going um south or they're not going the way you want them to go and that's part of the journey you have to just you have to keep trusting the process and you have to keep developing and keep getting better and as i said to you like when you have a player group that are just there's buy-in there you know genuine um buy-in and uh, good leadership it's it's exciting you're bouncing into work every day you're trying to improve things and uh again yeah like i said get back to to being really competitive and and i think the union are incredibly behind it now. You know, I, I I talked about this quite recently, but you're with the men's national team and you're going to a rugby world cup, and at times you're you're struggling to get you know 31 GPS units. Um, you don't have a fixed abode. Um, you know, you know the, the fields aren't great that you're training in. You're going to different gyms. Um, equipment isn't fantastic, and this is like you know with a men's team at a rugby world cup, and you come back to Ireland. And you go and have a look around the high performance center and it's, it's incredible. I mean, I can't get over how professional the setup is, you know, and in terms of what you need for a high performance uh, group to function. But I always talk about this, that high performance isn't actually the building though, it's the people and their attitude towards the, the hard work. So 
I always say professionalism is a Monday morning when it's dark and nobody's looking at you. Nobody's looking at your Instagram account. It's just you against yourself and you're, you're getting up early in the morning and you're making the right choices to be a better person and a better player. That for me is what high performance is. And the more that we can get our players on that path and the better their practices become and their patterns of behavior become, you know, they're only a good thing. And I think you've got a lot of smart girls in the group who, uh, who are teaching me stuff around that. You know, they're, they're telling me things I need to do better as well. It's not just one way. Uh, I think we're all trying to grow in this together and have a role. So, um, yeah, it's great to be back. Um, Sarah, thank God, is doing well at the moment. It's kind of like week to week, month to month. But she got what's called an ED, which is no evidence of disease recently. So that's that's a really big thing for us. And now you're just trying to get her back up and running. She's like a, a car that's been in the garage for a while with, the rust settling, you know, like it's hard to get her back running again. So, she did lie to you with that description, so, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think she'd be delighted with the description of a car that's rusting in a garage. But, um, <laughs> like, she's now you can see her now. The car is just slowly going around the block a little bit more and, and uh, it's, beginning to, it's beginning to move again, which is great for her. And she can get back to hopefully being active and, and, and back to her being herself. So... Uh, yeah, no. Thanks for asking. I appreciate it. a lot of a lot of goodwill out there and the rugby community, particularly in America, uh, when the diagnosis happened. I mean, the the rugby support's fantastic. Nothing really really matters apart from the car who's co- coming out of the garage and and we're getting the tea cut out and begin to yeah. it up. But look, we, we we will talk about uh, rugby as well if if you don't mind. What was top of the list apart from getting the band back together um, and seeing if Wembley was uh, available to to sell that out to to, to perform? But um, what else was top of the list, Greg, when you when you came into the program? I think like any coach who's listening to this, like you coach yourself, you know, you're coaching there on a Sunday morning. Like you need to look at the player group that you're selecting from and come up with a plan that suits them, uh, suits their skill set, uh, suits I suppose their DNA, how they're built, what their fitness. Uh, constraints are um, and you, you try and come up with a, with, with a way of playing that can make you competitive and then you have to make sure that the players understand what that looks like if if we are committing to playing a particular way both sides of the ball what's that look like what's what's your role and how can we make this better um, so I think that was my first priority which is to assess the players um, you know the AIL here the All-Ireland League is a league that's getting better every year yeah. um, and you know going on a recce recently and, and going over to watch some premiership games or Allianz premiership games. It was, it was interesting just to compare, you know, what do we need to do in Ireland to be more competitive? So week on week, our players are getting a better exposure to a high performance game where, you know, and also your training patterns, like, you know, I think it's important as well that, uh, you know, when you're an international coach, you have your players for such a limited amount of time. They're trying to do as much as they can with the clubs or, or as much as they want to listen to you to try and improve their daily environment. So they're training at a you know at a good intensity and, and they're working on their skills under good scrutiny and, and good intensity. And, and, you know, it's based around the game. You want your players to be buzzing about going to training and, and be looking forward to improving their individual skills and the collective rhythm and, and understanding. And if you develop that buzz like a club level, and they're training in that environment more, well, then when it comes to international level, they rock into camp, I think you're dealing with a better product. So you're always looking for the for, for a league that the players are playing in week in, week out to be as best as possible. And that, for me, has been a big advantage. Is I saw the league, and there's so much potential there. There's good coaches. You know, there's a good standard of rugby. It's only going to get better. There's, 
There's lots of, of activity happening in the provinces uh, at the moment, underage levels in Leinster and Munster, Connacht and Ulster. And, you know, you can see it's the pathway developing and the IRFU also uh, hired uh, Katie Fitzhenry, who's the ex-Ireland 7s and 15 star, um, <laughs> who is uh, who's leading our pathways for players. And, you know, like going over to Scotland last Wednesday and watching the Ireland under-18s girls playing their first ever Six Nations. Yeah. You know, that's exciting because, like, at the end of the day, that's what's going to be all about is making sure that, and the RFU have done a good job at you know, putting in these processes in place to try and create a good pathway where players are getting S&C earlier, conditioning and, and strength earlier, you know, skill work earlier. When they get to international level, they're more complete. It's just an ongoing, uh, it's an ongoing project from that regard. In, in this, in this st- strange, strange broadcast job that I have and, and you stand and watch, People are training and, and and what have you, but also yeah, on rare occasion you, you you get to to have a beer and, and listen to a, a man play John Legend on the on the piano very very well. Oh. Um, how how much of the of, so my point being is that you know I know you a little bit personally and professionally. How much of your of your job was about the people in that squad rather than actually as, as rugby players? How much work was there was there to do to to pull them back on side, as it were, for, for want of a much better phrase. Uh, good question, Johnny. Um, I think it's all about the people. I think if you have a good, group, like really, like it's something that I, I think I'd said as a young coach. I maybe didn't really understand it until you go through uh, like tough challenges, and you know, I mentioned one challenge that I've been on personally, but there are other challenges that you have with teams uh, that you know you. you you, you begin to understand that you got it really is all about the people it's all about like the understanding of the people and how they get to know each other how they interact how they how they're representing themselves have they got the right energy for the group are they adding to what we're trying to build because like any negative energy that goes into the pot at all just does such terrible damage so we need to make sure that like the energy coming in was like you know was organic to begin with you know you don't want it to be forced um, we want it to be uh, really positive and we want people to challenge each other and, and set high standards and you know if things aren't good enough to be able to also say it's not good enough we need to get better um, yeah and it, I'm sure in the Six Nations I probably made some mistakes and you're leaving people out that should be here and there's people that are here that you learn maybe need a bit more development but it probably won't be until your third or fourth tour or, or third or fourth big competition where you, you see a real consistency in the player group Um but it is all about the people, and I think I saw—I definitely saw that potential um, from the outside looking in. That you know, there's there are really good people there, and, and I think if you have good people, it's always an opportunity to do well. Um, and you, you, got, you can't worry too much about your success being results based. And I know that's like a, a way out for coaches, but if you're too focused on your results too soon, well, then you're kind of losing sight of what you need to build. So it's sustainable for, for a long period. So we're going to have to go through some tough days at the office um, and and trust in our process that what we're doing now actually will be really important in four and a half years time when, or in two years time when you're playing in the last five minutes of a game, the work you're doing now, that's where it's relevant, where if you're too results focused, you know, you mightn't delve into the game as much as you'd like and the players mightn't develop as much as you need them to. So it's about getting that balance right. And we're going into one of these weekends now where the balance definitely is a toughie because we're coming against the best team in the world, a stack full of professionals. And, you know, we're going in with what would be perceived as a weak side. 
but for me, I look at it from the opposite side. Players are excited. They have their opportunity to go out and hopefully do something special and, and compete. Because at the end of the day, if if any Irish team that I'm coaching go out there and compete and give it everything they can, well, then I'll always be a proud coach. Um, and I'll stick by that. And, and this again is another chance for us to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's double McWilliams here, ladies and gentlemen. Those of you who are just uh, just listening, it's uh, Greg McWilliams and Lana Rose McWilliams on the pod today. Uh, we are yeah. just delighted. What a what a special special guest. We've we've had a few sirs and MBEs, but today tops it. Lana Rose, I tell you. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm conscious it's playtime at the McWilliams house. So uh, just a couple more, if I, if I may. You moved it on nicely, seamlessly to 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 the Six Nations uh, and the weekend. How has your start been then with with those people? You've got time on your hands, you know. Yeah. Not, failed to, to to get to this World Cup. That's that's done and dusted. That's that's parked. That's water under the bridge. Reviews have been done, ongoing. Um, you come into place. How's the start? Only three games in, of course. But how's this, how how do you rate your start in the, in those three games in these Six Nations thus far? Um, God, another good question. Uh, yeah, it's been okay. I I, I think again. You know, as a coach, you always want to win. You want to play well, and you're going through a stage where you're you're not playing well in patches, and you're, and you're not winning as much as you'd like. Like I'd love to play the Wales game now, uh, particularly yeah. learning what we learned and understand the importance of structured rugby and uh, your preparation that's needed to be competitive about that uh, for the Six Nations. I'm bring okay. the ball down. Well, listen, I'm actually trying to try talk adult stuff here now, so I'm going to send you up to Mama, okay? Say bye, Johnny. Say bye, Johnny. Bye. That'll keep her down for probably about five minutes. No, okay. can I have her back, actually? She was great. No. Yeah, she's better. She's actually better banter <laughs> than me, honestly. She's got good banter. Uh, yeah, she's got good banter. I can't even remember what we're talking no, about. No, no, well, why, I was just saying, um, you, you, you've got that time. Yeah, rating a start to, to the Six Nations? Uh, I don't know. I never liked to kind of rate things, uh, Johnny, honestly. Uh, I, I wasn't think... asking for a figure, but just possibly a few bits you might have got right, a few bits you might have got wrong. Um, I've, you know, there's a lot of things that have gone wrong. Um, how we finish off the game against uh, Wales was wrong. How uh, we started against France, disappointed with. Yeah. Probably, probably the most disappointed about areas of the Italy game as well. So you're just always trying just to get tighter. And, and um, you know, as I said, we're going to learn a lot about ourselves this Saturday against uh, England. Um, uh, we're going to learn a lot about England this weekend and a lot about ourselves. And I'm being put off here again by my daughter, Johnny. I'm so sorry about this. Only one more question after this, Donna Rose, okay? And then you can have Daddy back full time, all right? Last question then, uh, McWilliams family. You me- you mentioned England, best team in the world. Um, yeah. Pretty professional. We-, we know they're firing, but probably not as well as they would like to, um, which is a bit shocking for the for the rest of the rugby world. What what represents success? Comes at it uh, Welford Road for you, Greg. Um, definitely how we play you know like we, we go in there with a plan like every game like every team does and you're hoping that we can implement the plan as best we can uh, that rhymes by the way uh, not on purpose but uh, yeah you're, you're trying to go in there with the plan and you're trying for the players to stick to the plan and hopefully if they do that they can be competitive in certain areas and you, know, you never know what happens in a game of rugby so we do have a group of players that are really excited about getting out there. Like there's talk of being over 15,000 people at Welford road. Um, you're obviously playing against the best team in the world. So we got a chance really early doors to test ourselves against the best team and go, right, 
what do we need to do now to compete? And we're going to get some big lessons, I'd say, at the weekend, but that's okay. Uh, you know, when I took over, uh, Dave Newsafor, who's our director of rugby, was really clear on on the first year. And, you know, it is a learning year and you don't want to ever use that as, you know, development and we're getting better all the time because, you know, certainly the Irish public will get quite sick of that, I think, after a while. Yeah. But certainly now I think they realise that we we didn't qualify for the Rugby World Cup, that we're tested in terms of our depth and that we're doing our best to go out and represent the country as best we can. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. And that's what I'm saying to you. If our players stick to task and they they keep wearing the jerseys like everybody should who represents Ireland, well, then I'll be a really proud coach. Um, I won't be a proud coach if their heads drop and they start like to to give up. You know, you never want a, 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 any team, any sports team to kind of, you know, give up. And you just hope that they just stick to task and just keep battling. And if they have that, I think I'll be so proud of them. And whatever the score line goes, win, lose or draw after that, doesn't matter who we play against. That's kind of nearly secondary. Because I think if you get your foundations right, then less emphasis is drawn towards the results. That's something that hopefully will happen itself if you're concentrating and getting all the small bits right. So um, let's just see how many of those we can get right this weekend against, you know, what is, let's be honest, a formidable England side. Yeah, absolutely. And there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Back, back to it being about people. We all said Greg was a, a, a people person and it's no different to, to, to your young daughter there, is it? Just do your best. That's all we're ever going to ask. And um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, not much different in the in the coaching world, isn't it? Um, the McWilliams family. It's been absolute pleasure, um, Lana Rose. It's really delightful to meet you. You're going to say goodbye to Johnny. He's gone now. Bye, Greg. Lana Rose. Thank you so so much for joining us on the so WRP. Hugely appreciate it. All the best of the weekend. Take care, Johnny. God bless. Hi, everyone. I'm Lindsay Peace, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. So there is uh, Greg. We said when he got the appointment, didn't we, that he's he's a, he's a people person. He really does concentrate on, on the on the on the individual and the human being. He's got that band back together. Not only the people that make him tick and make his life easier, but also a, a really good winning formula that they had back in the golden age of, of Irish women's rugby? Yeah, certainly. Like I think when you've been part of successful teams and support systems around you and players and when you have a structure in place that, that was a winning formula, why would you not reflect back on that and bring some of that back into um, your environment? You know, the smart work of bringing people who are also part of that programme into to your new environment, but, you know, I'm sure he's not relying just on that. There'll be a lot of thought process around where the game's moved on, what he's looking for. We all know the, the sad story that Ireland aren't going to the World Cup. So they've got a real opportunity now to really look within, look where they want their brand of rugby to be, how they want it to be seen. And they've got time to build and, you know, getting people that you trust and can rely on to work around you, you know, that, I, I don't know many coaches in high performance that don't bring people along with them that they've worked with and trusted beforehand um, with, with, you know, other people involved as well. But when you're trying to start again and go, get momentum and, and get buy-in as well, and, and you need credit from, you know, what you've done previously. And so I think it's a really smart move. I know we haven't seen 
you know, Ireland necessarily light up at the moment, but he's finding things out. He, he wants to learn about all of his players and he wants to learn about the environment and, and what what his team can do right now. And when you're in that stage, there's often disappointment, losses, um, you know, not quite reaching your potential yet. Um but you know, it's all about learning and building to to the next opportunity to qualify for a World Cup, and and then then that's where you you need to be judged. Yeah, and it's nice nice to hear that he's been given that that time. Um, yeah, the first year he's saying that Devin used for yeah, allowing him just that first year, just just learn, just get your feet under the desk, um, see where you're at, see see, see what the kind of players you've got to you deal with and what have you, because yeah, they've got. Four and a half years till you know he's kind of properly properly judged, and you know should should he you know last that long? I think you know most contracts are kind of a couple of years now, aren't they? But um, yeah, don't don't know factually how long that contract is, but yeah, he, he's got a little while, and it yeah he's going patience from the Irish media and the Irish public. I think will be one of his biggest biggest hurdles, but you know, he's going to be without pretty much the entirety of that backline this weekend, and. That ain't going to help matters against the, as he said, the, the number one side in the world in front of a, a huge crowd and a load of players playing for their places for, for England. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not a shock that the Sevens girls have, have gone off to the to World Series to play in Langford. Um, we all knew that was coming. It's just such a shame it landed on the England game because, yeah. you know, we want that game to be really competitive and we want England to be tested. And I think England want to be tested and, and, you know, taking out an entire back line pretty much, you know, is going to have a massive impact on how Ireland play. Um, and and you flip that on the other side, you know, Simon Woodson has been talking the whole way through that this was going to be his best team that he's going to put out, you know, or, or like the best 23 he's going to put out it might not be the best starting team he's looking at at the moment, but so you've got total contrast of a team that's lost eight players, eight starting players to an English side who are putting in their best, what they see as their best combinations. You've got, you've also got Hannah Bottomer Amy Cocaine, Zoe Alcoff, Lilia Thompson all coming back from injury as well. For them guys to then also be back. It's just, it's a real shame that we're not seeing, you know, what at the moment is a full strength Ireland side going up against a full-strength England side. Yeah, on the flip side of that, and Greg's just touched on it there in that chat, about testing yourselves against the best. And yeah, this may well be a load of, you're a coach, um, may just be be a load of spin. But that that back line that's going to come in aren't first choice. And this is the level you've got to get to. You know, four years, but this is the level you've got actually got to get to. And if we get pumped, we, Ali Donnelly's on a, I'm on a WhatsApp group with Ali Donnelly, the Scone Queen's Queen, and she's saying, oh, we're just going to get beaten so badly this weekend. And, yeah, I, I, and I think they will, but yeah, I think well, the Irish public and, and yeah, Ali and Greg all, all rest of it, just want to see them putting in, you know, keeping their heads high and fighting to, to the last second. And I think that's that's all you can ask. But it, it, it should be a, a decent victory for England, shouldn't it? What what do we, what areas do you think that Ireland could possibly 
uh, challenge England or, or what areas could, could they frustrate England with? That's tough. Um, I think potentially defensively, if they if they stay really connected as a line and they make their one-on-one tackles, it will take England a lot of phases to be able to break them down. Um, and we've seen in, in the last three rounds, in the middle of the park, England do go side to side quite a bit and they don't find many opportunities. Yeah, great. Um, but having said that, you know, that's a that's a new new line. Again, they don't get much time together. They've had a, they've had a small camp. They get together on Thursday morning, I think. So they don't have a lot of time to really build those connections. You know, some of those players weren't in in the first few weeks either for Ireland. So literally last weekend was the first time back in the squad in the, in the environment. And I'm sure there's been a few things, calls, et cetera, been changed up. So they've got a very quick turnaround to to try and implement some of the, their tactics and, and changes. But I think set piece, Ireland have always been pretty strong there, but there's new personnel. Um, and, and they'll look at what Wales did against them and they'll go after them. They'll do their homework around the line out. Um, and they'll try and cause problems at the set piece. But I think defensively, they can if they can put England under a lot of pressure, it'll force errors, which will then frustrate England and potentially give Ireland some good field position and good possession. For England, for, for them themselves in their camp, where do they need to be better? Where would they want to be better? Um, I think they take a lot of pride in their set piece and they'll be disappointed that Wales turned them over and stifled them. So I think there'll be a focus around that. Um, I think probably how they start, how they get into the game, I think they'll know if they can really get on top of Ireland then they can kind of run away with the game. And for me, I just think they need to be more direct in the middle of the park. You know, they're excellent. When they get into the 22, there's no stopping them in the opposition 22. But in that middle part, they're just a little bit slightly indecisive. Um, and I think if they can be a bit more punchier, then they're going to create so many opportunities on the outside. And, you know, Jess was in finishing form last week. Um, she's always played well against Ireland and, and you know, to have the back three. And you said about McKenna being that extra link player. Um, yeah, I think it, it could really open up for them, but they, I just want them to be more direct in that midfield. Yeah, couldn't agree. Earn your right to go wide. Simple as that. It's no different, is it? Uh, any level of rugby... And I, and I agree with you. I think you know England have have left a lot a lot of a lot of tries out there. Um, Thirty one they've scored so far. For me, it could be another six, seven, if not eight. Um, so yeah, they'll, they'll be looking for much more polished performance. Come on, their prediction. Oof. England win. Yeah. Hi. Um... <sighs> not total points, but points difference between the two sides. Now you want to uh, stay friends with Ali Donnelly? Come on. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't see Ireland scoring that much. No. I reckon yeah, it's going to be big. I think. Come on, I've written the number down here already. Well, go on then. What's your number? Sixty-two. Oh, I was thinking sixty-six. Go 66 then. Bosh, done. Lovely. 
Let's rewind time. Let's go back to Friday night. Round four, yeah. Wales against France. I I like this. This is this is a huge in the capital Friday night. Everyone's having a a, a nice Easter sort of break. Red huge banana skin for France. This for me. Yeah, it has all the potential to be, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I I think Wales believe they've got a shot to disrupt them. They know that they've got some areas of real strength that they can go after. And I know the scoreline against England was was high. Sometimes that doesn't reflect the effort or the ability of in. And I think they'll have a lot of confidence considering the amount of changes that they had. You know, you'd, you'd suggest some of their first choice were left out and not starting. And um, yeah, I think they would have learned so much from that England game to take into this game. And I think France will underestimate them a little bit. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you. I, I think France haven't, a little bit like England, haven't particularly fired. It's been more of an individual type effort. You know, the likes of Sansus and what have you. Um, Bougiard returns. Um, the winger, devastating finisher she is. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I think they'll need to, to tighten up their play. Um, but I think, I think Wales are, are on a roll. The, the only thing, and I was going to sort of leave it to the news section, but I think it's appropriate to, to mention it now. There are reports coming out that Jan Cunningham, the, the Welsh women's coach, uh, will leave the position after, it's unclear whether it's, yeah, the, the World Cup. It's being reported. That's that's not for a fact. Um, but yeah, the response kind of being that well, he was appointed for a 12-month period to lead Wales to the World Cup, and then discussions have not has yet to take a place regarding his role post World Cup, but it, it's that's slightly unsettling and not something that Welsh Wales would have wanted in the build up to this France game because it's they will see it as winnable. Yeah, they they absolutely do. I I just think it's quite fascinating, like you said, about the whole fact that it's going to be a bit of a banana skin. It's a Friday night. France don't particularly like travelling. Wales are going to be so up for it. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think I do think France will come strong in the end. I think their experience and um, you know the big thing we talked about with Wales not being able to exit and and get out of danger zones um, will be problematic for them again. And France do have a very strong set piece, have the ability to score from their driving more. So if they end up pinning Wales, then they're going to end up with a lot of opportunities. And you know. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see Tremulet play again at 10. Um, thought she played really well last weekend. Her, her kicking was really, really good. She's got a big boot, hasn't she? Big boot, but just like tactically as well, the way that she, the variation of it was really smart. And I don't know if Duran, she must be injured because I assume she's injured maybe, or maybe she's gone to do sevens. I'm not sure, but um but yeah, I'm excited to see what she can do. But that's a big danger there because what she can do with the boot and where she can put her team in. Kira Bevan and Snow Seal back to 9-10. And Harris moves to the bench. Shuan Lily Crap and Bethan Lewis. Alicia Butchers to back row. Same back line. Um, actually, to Robin Wilkins has moved into 12. So Kerry Lake's gone onto the bench. So a fairly settled team, really. Okay, but that does make a difference because then you've got two 
passing options and two kickers. So that does change the way they, they play slightly. Karen Lake, very, very nuts about very tidy player, but doesn't have that kicking game that Robin Wilkes does. So yeah. a slight so tactical change there. Definitely. Looks like they're, they're looking to use the boot of Wilkins. Connor, prediction? Um, I think Wales will put up a really strong fight. I think they'll get on the board, but I think France will just come too strong in right. the end. Mm, I'll say by 14. Oh, I've written down 12. Ah. It's tight, isn't it? Mm. Apparently, great minds. <laughs> I'm Lydia Thompson, and you're listening to the amazing, world-class women's rugby pod. Let's get you up to date with the rest of the news from around the world. We are being told that Australia is now the preferred candidate to host the greatest events in men and women's 15s rugby in 2027 and 2029, respectively. Confirmation came ahead of the meetings between World Rugby, Rugby Australia government and city representative to progress the hosting model for both events ahead of the final Rugby World Cup Council vote in Dublin in May. Very exciting. And as we've already mentioned, Ireland will have eight players missing from the game against England for in the Six Nations this weekend because the HSBC World 7 Series in Canada this month. Baven Parson, Lucy Milhorn, Amy Lee Murphy-Crow, Stacey Flood and Evie Higgins will play in the event in 10 days. Brittany Hogan and Anna McGann will also head to Langford. How good has Eve Higgins been? I, I'm oh. so excited that we are going to do a team of the Six Nations, that Emily Scat might not make a team of the... I mean, that's just exciting itself. Nothing against Scaz, of course, but... You know, no, no, no. She is golden girl, good at everything. Uh, back to Australia. Let's get you up to date with the, their Premier competition down there, the Super W. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, New South Wales Waratahs went... So beat... The Queensland Reds, I should say, 46-0. Fijiana Jura beat the Brumbies 17-7. And then last week, it was a rematch of the uh, New South Wales and, and Queensland Reds game. And again, New South Wales were victorious at 36-0 at Eric Tweedale Oval. Brilliant name. And Premier Cup results. Ninth and 10th playoff between Loughborough Lightning and DMP Sharks. Loughborough beating DMP 60 points to 12. 7th and 8th playoff was Was take on Sale Sharks with a Sale Sharks win on 28 to 21. Fifth and sixth playoff, Roster Hartbury took on Saracens and beat Saracens 29-15. And then in the semi-finals, we had Harlequins versus Worcester, which came right down to the wire with Harlequins winning 18 to 17 in the final moments of the game. And semi-final two, a different affair with Exeter Chiefs up against Bristol Bears, beating Bristol 66-0. Yeah. I would just say it was at halftime, it was 14-0. So there was a big second half from the Chiefs. And therefore, they get to the honour of hosting the final, don't they, this weekend? Yes, because it goes on points difference. So, yeah, Exeter Chiefs take on Harlequins this weekend on Saturday at Sandy Park um, at 3pm. A big stream, uh, normal Premier 15s through the website, what have you, uh, England Rugby, Facebook, YouTube channels, that kind of stuff. In the Championship here in England, so the second tier, uh, on Sunday, uh, the Women's Championship playoffs, Cheltenham Tigers 
beat old Albania's ladies 38-36. Uh, and I have to say, full full credit to Channel Tigers because their social media and all that has, has been exemplary all season and they're obviously doing it on the field as well. Thurrock ladies had a home walkover over Litchfield, Litchfield unable to field a team. On Sunday the 1st of May, the Women's Championship playoff final will take place between Cheltenham Tigers and, as we said, Thurrock Ladies. And University News, congratulations to Exeter, who have now been promoted to the Bucks National Premier League. But the Women's National Championship final was between Edinburgh Women's and Hartbury. And a huge congratulations to Mo Hunt and all of her team who beat Edinburgh 36 to 22. Yeah, congratulations to them. The only other preview we've got to do is that game on Saturday, Italy against Scotland. Neither of them will be overly happy with the campaign so far for, for differing reasons. The only news to bring up to date with them, uh, the Italian camp is Arizetti and Tirani are, are back in the mix. Arizetti big, uncompromising forward. It's going to make a, a difference to that Italian pack. Yeah, obviously adds um, some more strength and some weight behind it and the experience. So... Yeah, I, I find this one really hard to call. I think Scotland have got a big reply to give them since that qualifier where they will probably be pretty embarrassed about that result. Um, and yeah, I think they'll want to make a statement and, and same with Italy. I think Italy performed really poorly last week and we'll see this as an opportunity um, to... You know, get back into this Six Nations and show us, you know, that those glimpses that they had against France in the opening round, um, that they'll see that as kind of a, a restart again this weekend for their tournament. And, and, and since they last played, they've turned professional. Uh, and, and we saw that hardly anything to do with the physicality of the Welsh squad, isn't it, at the moment? Um but mentally, just what it, the difference it's made to, to this Welsh side. And I, I don't doubt it'll make the, the same kind of positive impact on the Italians, you you would think, or you'd like to think so anyway. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, even if things aren't immediate, the plans are in place now. And that breeds a, an excitement and, you know, a want to, to be part of it. And, you know, the fact that there are players that are on contracts right now and, but there could be potential for more. There'll be people that will want to maybe be, get an opportunity later down the line. So, yeah, it definitely will give the whole squad a lift. Um, and, you know, when you become professional, there feels like a level of responsibility that comes with it. And that's a good responsibility to have. And, and, and that can have a real positive effect on players. And I'm sure we'll see that with Italy. Again, we come back to, we, we spoke a touch on it last week, didn't we, about the scholar just how much energy they they they've got less and and how much, not through lack of trying or desire of course and that's very very plain to see on, on dr rachel mackner's face at, at the end of the game or what have you but if the tank's empty the tank's empty um you know and, and i just wonder whether that's that's going to be the case for for scotland um where, where does where does scotland need to improve to to beat italy take some of those chances i guess yeah and they just got to look after the ball better because they are really threatening and they've got 
a lot of players that can do a lot of damage. Um, you know, I think if they've got their starting players fit, then actually they've probably had more of a complete performances over the last three weekends um, to put together. And they probably see this as their shot to make sure that they're bringing a close enough 80, perfor- 80 minute performance and not in bits and pieces. And, you know, Rachel Malcolm spoke a lot every single time after the game, being like, we've got to take those chances better. We said we were going to do this. And, and there comes a time where you can't just keep saying that you've got to actually do it. And I feel like this will be their, their weekend. But as you mentioned, that just emotional exhaustion from what they've been through and what they continue to go through, you know, that could play a part in those final. You, you look at the games that they played where they've either lost the game has been at the end. So where, you know, just like you said, they completely emptied and then they're hanging on and, and sometimes luck doesn't go their way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope it, it it goes well for them this weekend. Go on then. Who's going to win? Oh, oh I think based on I think based on form, I would say Scotland because even though, yeah, I like the narrow defeat that the some of the excellent play that if they just finished a few things off against England, you know, I, I think they've got and and that was a brilliant, you know, display against France at times and they really pressured France and you know England will be looking at a score and thinking oh well we put this on Scotland but so like I think that they've been building so Scotland bye oh I think it'd be quite close uh nine Scotland by nine JH is going Italy by two you are yeah Oh, nice. They won't won't have liked being beaten by 21 points by by Ireland. Uh, They've just got contract and there's a lot of quality there uh, and two quality operators returning. But there you go. That's uh, another WRP wrapped up. Previewed the games there. Next week, uh, of course, we'll look ahead of that huge, huge uh, England-France game. But there is one shout-out, isn't there, Uh, (laughs) Rachel Burford? Yeah. (laughs) Louise Chiswell. She is a Welsh farmer, Rachel Burford. She uh, breeds pedigree South Down sheep in Wales. And there was, a, there was a brief conversation online after Fionn Lewis had a calf named after her. You, you remember that? Um, Sarah Orchard, the uh, the commentator, BBC rugby correspondent, uh, spoke to this chap and he was on his stag do at the Gaming and Wales game and he named a calf after Fionn Lewis and we had her on the pod and she spoke about it. Whatever. In a, a brief conversation ensued on social media. And uh, lovely Louise said, well, if I, if I have any more lambs, then I'm going to name Johnny and Berth. So a lamb has been named after you now, Berth. I think that's like life completed. <laughs> done. <laughs> Thank you very much, Louise. We're, I mean, we're done. We, we, there's no greater compliment. Yeah. <laughs> life done, dusted. Thank you very much, Louise. Um, yeah, no, genuinely very, very touching. Uh, very, very nice. And, um, Louise, thank you. Thank you very much as ever for listening, everybody. At Pod Women's Jobby, get yourselves in touch. Enjoy the games at the weekend, and we'll see you next week. Until then. Bye. Bye.